welcome to Nevertheless, She Persisted, a podcast where I, your host, shares my journey as a teenage girl who suffered from severe depression and anxiety before receiving intensive treatment. I talk from my experience and ask others what they felt like at their lowest points. I interview my family, friends, and therapists to try and give a full picture of what suffering really looks like and how you can help. And if you yourself are struggling, learn new skills, gain support, and know you're not alone, so keep persisting. Welcome back. Happy Friday, everyone. This week, we are going to be talking about mindfulness. To recap, last week, we talked about the biosocial theory, behavior change, the basics of DBT, such as dialectics, the biosocial theory, um, and validation. This week, we're going to talk about mindfulness. We're going to begin by talking about mindfulness and why it's important and its different purposes. We're then going to talk about the three states of mind according to DBT, which is wise mind, rational mind, and emotional mind. After that, we're going to talk a bit about the what skills you're participating, observing, and describing. And then we're going to wrap up um, by doing an exercise where we can practice that. Just a reminder, this episode uses concepts devised by Marsha Linehan, Jill Rathus, and Alec L. Miller. The skills I'm teaching are not an alternative to treatment. I'm not offering dialectical behavioral therapy, and I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm just a teenage girl who received DBT multiple times, and I'm trying to help other people be more effective through a podcast. So with that being said, I hope that this can help someone. And remember, if you are struggling, look at the episode notes for places you can find support. So to begin, the goals of mindfulness are to release. So to start, there are three main goals of mindfulness. The first is reducing suffering while increasing happiness. The second is being able to have more control over your mind. And the third is to experience reality as it is, as it comes, um, without distortions. So to get in a little bit deeper to that, reducing suffering um, can mean reducing pain, releasing stress, decreasing tension in your life, all of those things. Whatever suffering you're feeling, whether it's depression and anxiety, maybe it's OCD, maybe it's conflict, whatever inner turmoil, mindfulness can help reduce that. To go a little bit deeper on increasing control of your mind and your thoughts, another goal of mindfulness is to stop letting your mind be in control of you. So when I was struggling a lot with anxiety, there were so many instances where I'd just get stuck in my head. I'd be sitting, say, in a classroom, and I'd have all these worried thoughts about things that could go wrong or things I forgot to do. And I, it would just go on for... I don't even know how long. It would go on for minutes, hours. Sometimes it felt like that the same thought was in my head for days and I wasn't able to let it go. And the more and more and more I would be aware of it, the longer it would stay and the more I would focus on it. So mindfulness aims to let you be in control of your thoughts and your mind um, instead of letting them control you and rule your life. Finally, um, Finally, mindfulness lets you live with your eyes open. You're able to really experience reality as it comes. You get to see goodness, you get to see validity, and you're a lot more connected with the universe and what's going on around you. So as you can see, there's a bunch of benefits to mindfulness. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit more about the purpose, why you want to do it, and how you can apply it. What is mindfulness? Um, mindfulness is intentionally living with awareness in the present moment. So you know the saying when they, when you're going through the motions, you're not really living life, you're not really driving the bus, 
you're just, you're waking up, you're going to school, you're going home, you're doing your homework, but you're not really living. Mindfulness works to let you live and lets you participate. Um, so that you can be really be present in your own life and hopefully work towards living your life worth living. The goal of mindfulness is to live intentionally, but not judge or reject what's going on. So it's complete observation of what's going on around you. No evaluating, no avoiding. You don't want to suppress and you don't want to block what's going on in the present. You want to notice consequences and you want to see what's helpful and what's harmful. And the last thing about mindfulness is letting go of attachments. Um, and this was one of the hardest, hardest things for me because I become so attached to people, to emotions, to behaviors, to goals. When I when I think of something that I want to do or what that I want, it's really hard for me to let it go or an outcome. When I talk to someone and I'm like, hey, I've got to go talk to this teacher about this extension for an assignment. Like I get really attached to having that extension. Or when I ask my parents to like go out with friends, I become really, really attached to wanting to go out with them and getting that yes from my parents. And mindfulness works to reduce that attachment, which can help your relationships. It helps yourself because you're not experiencing that loss as much. So it's attending to the experience of each new moment rather than ignoring the present by clinging to the past or grabbing for the future. So you're staying in the moment, you're living presently, and you're not living in the past and attached to what's already happened and you're not binded to what you want to happen in the future. You're just letting yourself live your life as it comes. Are you interested in making your own podcast too? Download Anchor. I released every episode of Nevertheless She Persisted through Anchor and I love it. It's free. You can edit and publish your episodes from anywhere and I put my podcast on every listening platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. I definitely recommend it. They also have cool background musics, transition musics, and you can record sponsorships like this one. Be sure to check it out. It has everything you need for your podcast. Download the free Anchor app in the App Store or wherever you get your apps or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's anchor.fm. So the great thing about mindfulness is that it can be practiced anywhere. Mindfulness can be defined as just paying attention to the moment without judgments, without attachment, and that in yourself, you're practicing mindfulness. Maybe as you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to my voice, or you're looking around you and wherever you're sitting, you're observing the trees or the room you're sitting in, and you notice the colors, the sounds without judgment. You're not saying, oh, that's an ugly color, or oh, I... It'd be better if it was warmer outside today, or I really should have done this earlier. You're naming the thoughts. You see the chair across the room. You see the desk that you're sitting at. You listen to my voice. And that in itself is a mindfulness practice. So another mindfulness practice that can be applied is meditation. So that's practicing mindfulness with mindfulness skills while sitting, standing, or lying quietly for a predetermined period of time. So the last two types of mindfulness practices are contemplative prayer and mindfulness movement. So I'm not going to go into those a ton, but an example of mindfulness movement practices could be yoga, martial arts, and contemplative prayer could be doing the rosary um, or saying a prayer, something like that. 
Okay, so the three states of mind. DBT believes that there are three states that you can have your thoughts and your brain in. The first is your reasonable mind. It's cool, it's rational, it's task-focused. So you're completely focusing on facts, reason and logic, and the pragmatics. You're not thinking about your values, you're not thinking about your emotions. So maybe it's when you're taking like a standardized test. You are going through and evaluating the answers. You're saying, okay, this can't be right because this isn't explicitly true or brought up in evidence in the passage. And you're just going through and knocking them out based on your logical reason. The lack of emotion is you're not looking at the answers and saying, well, I personally agree with this answer. That's completely out of the picture. You're just logically evaluating and making your decisions. So reasonable mind can be really practical. Um, It can be used for civil engineering, problem solving, but it also means that you don't get to use your values and feelings. You can be really disconnected and apathetic. You're not able to gain the perspective of, of other people, and it can really prevent you from expressing your emotions accurately. And for me, it led to a lot of interpersonal issues because I wasn't able to connect with other people because I was so removed and just focusing on what I, what I wanted. Say your mind is a spectrum. The left side is reasonable mind. All the way on the right is emotion mind. So emotion mind is hot. It's super mood dependent and it's emotion focused. So you're rude by your moods, feelings, your urges. You don't think about the fact, the reason, the logic. None of that matters. So it can, again, be really helpful. You're able to form connections. You're able to be really, really aware of your environment. It serves to protect you. But it also can lead you to be really impulsive. You don't have a lot of control. It can have negative effects on your personal relationships. DBT has this third state of mind, which is your wise mind. And it's the perfect blend between the two. You're able to see the wisdom within each person. You can see the value of reason and emotion and evaluate both. And you're bringing the left brain, which is the reasonable mind, and the right brain, emotion mind, together and work together. And this is what's called the middle path, which I mentioned last episode, which is being able to see in between two dialectics, two seemingly opposite concepts that can somehow be true both at the same time. And this is how you can use your wise mind. So it's really truly a dialectic. It's the best of both worlds. Um, And you can understand it's a synthesis of the two and it can be extremely effective in making your own decisions because you're able to evaluate your values and your emotions while using reason. So you can create, make the best decision possible. For me, when I first went into DBT treatment, I went into the meeting. Um, I went. I went and sat in the meeting with all of my potential future doctors at Three East, and one of them looked at me and said, "Why are Why are you here?" And I said, "Well, my parents said I have to be here. I can't go back to my outpatient program, and it's it's not an option for me to be at home anymore." And they they really did understand that I didn't want to be there. I was showing that I I was I was being I felt like I was being forced to be there. It wasn't my decision to fly to Boston. It wasn't my decision to leave home. And they could see that. So they they said to me, they said, DBT can't be effective if it's being forced upon you. It's a willing program and you have to be the one to choose to want that change. And if you can see the wisdom in it and you can use your wise mind to choose to put your all into this program, then you can stay here. Um, So they gave me 24 hours to take and sit and see if I could find that wise mind and think about the reason, which is the evidence behind DBT and that I couldn't be at home anymore and that there could be a possible good outcome and the emotion that I was I was in a lot of pain I was suffering I was feeling really depressed I felt so disconnected from my family and bring those together to my wise mind and see that 
I'm in a lot of pain and I want something to change and this can let this change. So I'm going to choose to participate in this three-ease program and give my all to DBT. So a quick exercise we're going to do. It's helpful if you have a paper in front of you. If not, you can just reflect on it and think on it. But I want you to think of a time in the past week when you were able to use your reasonable mind. So think about your emotions, what thoughts were going through your head, what were the behaviors? And I want you to write that down. And next, I want you to write down one example of when you were in your emotion mind this week. Um, Write down your emotions, the thoughts, the behaviors, and then do the same thing for wise mind in the past week. Were you able to implement that? And what were the emotions, thoughts, and behaviors? So I did this activity right after I'd gotten to Three East. It was March in 2018. And I said for my emotion mind, I was on the phone with my mom and I'd recently applied to a high school and I got rejected. So she told me about the fact that I hadn't gotten in and I was feeling a lot of shame. We began to have an argument. I was feeling really, really sad. And I jumped straight to problem solving. I jumped on that urge to try and make things different. And I remember I went and I was like, okay, I'll write an email to the admissions team and I'll see if they can reevaluate and if there's any option that maybe I can go to this school. So I felt that shame, I felt that sadness, and I jumped on the urge to try and problem solve. So for my reasonable mind, I <laughs> I said that we were watching TV together and I was thinking about possible outcomes. Um, my favorite show at the time was Gossip Girl. So. I'm sure I was watching some episode of that and thinking, okay, maybe Serena and Dan will end up together after this, X, Y, and Z. So logically determining, based on the information I had, what a possible outcome could be. So the example for Wise Mind, I said, was practicing non-attachment to outcomes, but feeling my emotions as they came while thinking about rational predictions for what happened next. So obviously this is very vague. I honestly have no idea what I was referring to, but this is an example that can be applied to things. So maybe you have a big test next week. So you're practicing, I mean, this is really, really hard to not be attached to how you do on a test, but maybe you say, I studied it as hard as I could. I did my best and there's nothing I can do to change the test score from this point on. So you're not attached. You take your emotion out of that. But when you do feel the sadness or the emotions that come with maybe you did bad or the anxiety, the fear that maybe it'll impact your grade, you feel those emotions and then you rationally think about what happens next. Maybe you need to do extra credit or more homework. How can you prepare for the next test? So that's an example of using your wise mind. Do you have questions you want answered about therapy, depression, or anxiety? Email sadiesutton.nsp at gmail.com or reach out via direct messages on any of the Nevertheless She Persisted social media accounts linked in today's episode notes. You can also leave a voice message on Anchor. I would love to hear from you. So I want to do a bit of a wise mind exercise. And this is a exercise developed by Marsha Linehan. Um, I did not come up with this myself. So this is called walking down the spiral stairs. So imagine that within you is a spiral staircase. It's winding deeper and down to your very center. Starting at the top, you walk very slowly down the staircase, around and around. You're going deeper and deeper within yourself, further and further down. Notice the sensations. How are you feeling? 
You, you can rest by sitting on a step. Maybe you turn on the lights on the way down if you wish. You don't want to force yourself further down than you want to go. Observe the quiet. And as you reach that center of yourself, settle into your attention there. Perhaps your gut, your abdomen, your stomach. Get in touch with your wise mind. Another way that you can reach your wise mind and experience that calm is with your breath. So you're breathing in completely, noticing the sensations, following them. You're letting your attention settle into the center of you, the bottom of your breath. You let your attention settle on the center of your forehead, your wise mind, the top of your breath. You're keeping your attention at your center. Exhale. Breathing normally in and out and maintaining your attention. And you can settle into your wise mind and from that point, make a wise decision. So those are really quick ways that you can reach your wise mind. That's not a full meditation practice, obviously, but quick things you can do in the moment when you're feeling stressed, you need to make a decision, whatever it may be. Okay. So last part of this episode, we're going to talk about your what skills. So there's, there's, there's six main skills that can be divided into two categories for the mindfulness module. Of course, there's a lot more like stay present, be mindful, all of those, which are little skills. But the six main ones are the what skills and the how skills. Today, we're going to talk about the what skills, which is what you do when you're practicing mindfulness. So those three skills are observe, describe, and participate. And... A lot of the time, they're referred to shorthand as pod. So participate, ooh, participate, observe, describe. So these are your what skills, pod, and these are what you do when you practice mindfulness. So when you're participating, you're fully engaged. You're thrown completely into the activity at your current moment. You become one with what you're doing. Forget yourself. Your attention is fully in the moment. You're active, you're acting intuitively from your wise mind, which we just talked about how to get to, and you're doing what is needed in this situation. And lastly, you're going with the flow. You're responding with spontaneity, whatever needs arise. And the next, what skill is observe? So you're noticing your bodily sensations coming through your eyes, ears, nose, skin, tongue. You're paying attention on purpose to the present moment. You're actively focusing on what's going on. You're controlling and guiding your attention, but you're not pushing anything away. You're not feeling attachment. You're just going with the flow and how your thoughts are going. You can redirect your thoughts. You can watch a thought come in and leave, but you're not trying to label any thoughts as bad. Another way you can use your observe skill is to do wordless watching. So like I just talked about, you watch your thoughts come into your mind and let them go away. Like, you can picture them as clouds in the sky. Maybe it's a wave in the ocean coming on the sand and then going back into the ocean. So you notice the feeling, it's rising, it's falling, and then it's gone. So the last part of observe is to focus on going what's going on inside of yourself, within your thoughts, in your mind, and outside. So like we talked about, your five senses. The last what skill is describe. So you're putting words to the experience. When you experience a feeling, you have a thought, you engage in an action, you're acknowledging it. 
and you're putting a label on it. So you're naming the feeling. You're labeling a thought as a thought, a feeling is a feeling, and an action is an action. You're not judging it and saying, oh, I just felt the most uncomfortable, worst feeling. You're not saying that was such a bad thought. I'm supposed to be focusing on this mindfulness. It's just, you just had a thought. You just experienced a feeling. So you're ungluing your interpretations, your opinions, and you're just describing the who, what, when, and where. Purely facts, no judgments. And the important thing to remember about the describe skill is that if you're not observing it through your five senses, then you can't describe it. You can't describe something as good or bad because you're not experiencing it through your senses. So I'm going to give a couple examples of ways you can practice the pod skills, so participating, observing, and describing. And then on the Nevertheless She Persisted, either the website or the Instagram at She Persisted Podcast, I'm going to put a much more in-depth list of the different ideas to practice the observe, describe, and participate skills. So just keep that in mind. So one way you can practice observing is observing with your eyes. So you could be lying on the ground and looking at the clouds in the sky. You could go on a walk and see if anyone walks by you. Do you see the trees? What do the houses look like around you? Another thing you could do is observing taste. So you put something in your mouth, you pay attention to the taste and purely objectively, maybe the taste is really rich. Maybe it's really sweet. It's not good or bad, but it, it tastes like chocolate or it has fruity tones. And you are just observing all the sensations. For, describe, for describing, this one's kind of fun and I really enjoy doing it. It's a twist on people watching. So say you are sitting at a coffee shop and you're describing one thing about each person who walks by you and it's completely objective. So maybe they are wearing a dark colored coat or maybe they are walking briskly and you do that for every single person you see go by. Another thing you could do for describing is practicing your breathing. So this one's a little bit longer, but every time you inhale and exhale, as you inhale, be aware that you're inhaling, one, and you are exhaling, one. You're breathing from your stomach and beginning the second inhalation. You're inhaling, two, and exhaling, two. You go all the way up to 10, and once you reach 10, you go back all the way to one. And when you lose count, you just go to one. And so you're describing your inhales, your exhales without judgment. And this is a great, great, great grounding exercise and something that I do a lot, especially when I'm going to sleep, just to let the thoughts leave my head and calm down. So participating, um, I'm going to give a couple more for this one, but it could be you're dancing to music, um, singing along to whatever song you're listening to. You're going, maybe you go on a run and you focus solely on your run. You play, you're playing a sport and you fully, fully focus and invest yourself in the sport you're playing. So one of the biggest parts of DBT was the homework. After the education groups, you would have a homework assignment to do for the next week and it would help you practice the skill and remind yourself to do it throughout the week. And at the beginning of the next session, people would share out what they did and share their worksheet. So I'm going to assign like a little bit of homework. Of course, it's completely optional. You can even do it now while you're listening. You don't have to write it down. Super, if you feel it would be helpful, you can do it. But it's just something you can think about before the next episode. And I'll also write like a little worksheet out and I'll post it on the Instagram and on the website again. So 
this week, the homework is going to be to practice your pod skills. So at first, you're going to acknowledge which skills you used. Are you using observing, describing, participate, maybe one or two, maybe three? And at first, you're going to describe verbally, mentally, you're going to write it down, the situation and how you practice the skill. So when I did this, I said I was observing. So I was observing before I was falling asleep. I was doing my best to observe my thoughts, my emotions, and what was surrounding me. So after you describe this, you're going to reflect and you're going to, if it does any of these things, you want to take a note. Did it reduce your suffering? Did it decrease your reactivity? Increase connection? Increase happiness? Increase your wisdom? Increase your sense of personal validity? Increase your ability to focus? Or increase your experience to the present? And you're going to describe then how the skill helped you or how you didn't think it did. So I said, it prevented me from thinking about the past or the future and ruminating, which makes it harder to fall asleep. So I found it to be more helpful to be mindful. So you're going to do the same thing for the second skill if you used a second skill um, and describe the situation, not mentally, what you did, how you practiced the skill. Again, if it improved or decrease any of the behaviors, how it helped. And the last question is what wise things you wise mind things you did this week. So this week I did this February 22nd. So this was 12 days after I began residential treatment and I said that I thought about the dialectics of treatment. I thought about how it was going to be really hard and I was also going to be trying my best. And the other wise thing I did that week was I validated my parents, which at that time was really, really, really difficult for me to do. So this is how I did this homework assignment. Of course, you can totally do it however you feel like it applies to you or even if it applies to you at all. So I hope this episode helped. Again, I'll post more resources about mindfulness. For anyone interested, two books that are helpful for mindfulness is one, Mindfulness for Borderline Personality Disorder. Um... I know that this definitely isn't applicable to everyone, but a lot of the, it's completely based on DBT um, and by two of the clinicians at Three East. And there's a lot of good um, evidence-based explanations about mindfulness and the different concepts. There's a couple exercises of different mindfulness practices you can do and like how it works with your emotional dysregulation, interpersonal dysregulation, all of that. So I really enjoyed reading this book and it's called... Mindfulness for Borderline Personality Disorder, Relive Your Suffering Using the Core Skill of Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, and it's by Blaze Aguire and Jillian Galen. So I'll post that in the episode notes. And the other book I've mentioned before on the podcast, but it focuses more on compassion, but there's also a lot of mindfulness components. Um, so it's called A Fearless Heart, How the Courage to Be Compassionate Can Transform Our Lives, and it's by, I don't want to butcher this, but Thupton Jinpa, PhD. So I'll post that in the episode notes as well. But those are two more resources about mindfulness. And I'll also post the resources I use for this episode and any more research if you are interested. So thank you for listening and I'll see you next episode. Don't forget to do the homework. Bye. If you enjoyed this week's episode of Nevertheless, She Persisted, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with your friends and family. 
To stay updated on new episodes dropping and bonus content, follow the Nevertheless She Persisted Instagram at Nevertheless Podcast with SS, the Twitter account at She Persisted underscore SS, the Facebook at Nevertheless She Persisted Podcast with Sadie Sutton, and check out my blog, Nevertheless She Persisted Podcast with Sadie Sutton dot photo dot blog. And don't worry, all of these are linked in today's episode notes. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening. P.S. Nevertheless, she persisted.